Welcome, my friends, to the Sage Aquay Radio Hour, your home for free and critical thinking, and I'm your host, Mike Williams. Tonight, Veterans Today columnist Jack Hart is back with us to discuss his new series of articles entitled Black Sun Rising and offering his perspective on the hidden history behind Adolf Hitler, German technology, and the objectives of the National Socialist Party. Mr. Hart's research and this discussion will undoubtedly be considered controversial by many, which is often the case when alternative history is explored and expressed. However, I recommend you keep an open mind and consider the possibilities. To quote Dan Brown, history is always written by the winners. When two cultures clash, the loser is obliterated and the winner writes the history books. Or as Napoleon once said, what is history but a fable agreed upon? To kick our conversation off, I asked Mr. Hart if he could expand on how his youth, discussed in part four of Black Sun Rising, became a part of his journey for truth. And here's what he had to say. You asked me why I started off the article like that. That's a true story. I hated, hated high school. Never went to class. What I would do is I'd go sign in and I'd go to the library for four periods. The librarians all knew me, you know. They knew I was coming to class, too. But they didn't care. But, so I sat there and I read books about World War II. I loved that. Like I said, they were teaching us to duck and hide under our desks since we were little kids. So I wanted to know why. I think, I think any kid would want to know why they had half a brain. So I, I read everything there was to read about it. One of the biggest enigmas was uh, Patton. He's heading right for Berlin. And my father used to always say this. Nobody understood it. He was going to take it before Zukov. All of a sudden, he veers off and he heads into Czechoslovakia. Biggest enigma of World War II. You know, the, the popular theory is America was just giving Berlin to the Soviet Union, which is absurd. Uh, we fought a, five years later, we fought a proxy war with our own guys against, they had proxy guys for a barren peninsula in Asia. So we weren't exactly going to give them Berlin for nothing. What he did is he, he went after the uh, what they called the Skoda Works, which was an, an underground black ops empire that was run by Kama, who was the head of the SS. Now, Kama was the guy that walked. Most of these guys, Hauk, they all walked. They walked after World War II. They traded this technology to the Americans. That is why we have, like you say, you know, Marine Base. You see it's a Nazi SWAT sticker. Half of our government is actually National Socialist. The other half of our government is Zionist. And that's why we're so screwed up right now. They're at war with each other. And the American people, I mean, the Western people are caught in the middle of this. What were the Germans doing, in your opinion, with the technology that you laid out? You know what they say about opinions, Michael. Nick Cook feels they wanted a warp time. They okay. were warping time. That was the main objective of what they were doing. Why they wanted to do it, he doesn't say. Yeah, I got 50 more pages to go, but uh, that's what they were doing. But that's the technology was way... I, I read oh, part four. thousands and thousands of years ahead of what we... We have barbaric, combustionable technology. This is not what they're using. This is not what the government's using. We still go by Einstein's retarded theory of the speed of light, speed limit, relativity. It doesn't work. And most physicists at the top notch know this. There is an eighth law, and the Germans threw it out immediately. And that's why they were able to make these advances. The Germans were experts 
sorts of quantum physics, and that's what they went into. And they based everything on magnetic domains, quantum physics, the uncertainty principle. They weren't messing around with, with bending the universe around and creating speed limits. They didn't think there was any limitations. And what they ended up doing is breaking into the next dimension. They called it the green world or the green field. So uh, there's a lot more to this now that I have to go into before I can expound on it any further. It's almost like this is what magic teaches. This is what the Kabbalah teaches. That You, you can almost make apports and make things materialize out of this afterlife. We can make this world anything we want. And this is what Victor Schauberger was working on. That's one of the reasons he died a broken man. Huh? The SS was cooperating more with Victor Schauberger than the American government was. The American government ripped the freaking guy off. They brought him over here in the heart. Of the, first of all, they interrogated an old man for nine months. Wouldn't let him talk to anybody. Then when they finally let him go, they dragged him over here, made him sign a whole bunch of papers for this giant Texas corporation. They'll never talk about this technology again. And they stole all his patents. He, he went back to Germany. He died five days later when they finally let him leave. You know, He wanted to give this to man. We can have a, a, actually a paradise on earth with this technology. And what happened is the government ended up taking it and using it for their own nefarious purposes. So, the next time everybody's lined up getting gas or, or the, the, the fire or, or CNN drones on about the price of gas. Remember, the government doesn't use gas. They're using electromagnetic trams. They, all these flying sources people are seeing in these V-shaped class, those are theirs. Those are theirs. They've been making them since 1950. But even before that, the Germans started experimenting with them, had them off the ground. That's, that's one of the reasons patent veered off like that. Those things were captured. The government's been working on those for 50 years. They talk about the nuclear bomb like it's a big secret. That was not the big secret. The big secret was this technology. Talking about the technology, the vast majority is earthbound technology. It's not from Oz. It's not ETs. I shouldn't say Oz because they ain't going to let you or me take a ride, but it's all, all <laughs> governments. Yeah, I know. I, let's knock on Obama's door and ask him to take a spin in the spacecraft, you know? Not that he may not even know about it, but it's, it's these other guys from the. Uh, in the Pentagon, in the, in the industrial arms business, and uh, in the military industry that know about these things. There's a, these, these security clearances they use uh, doesn't even include presidents. I believe Eisenhower knew what they were doing because he told them that he was going to send the troops into, into that Area 51 if right. they didn't tell him. Uh, and they had to tell him. And I think he told Kennedy, which is the reason Kennedy got shot, because Kennedy was going to tell everybody. That's about it. Since then, uh, they've had nothing but puppets in there, except for the Bushes, of course, who were uh, one of the principal orchestrators of all this. Uh, not W. Not w is just, I don't know what he does, but uh, his father was... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Picture W thinking about quantum physics, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's got an Eisenberg coloring book. <laughs> well, do you think the Germans then, this is interesting because it's sounding like you believe the Germans were engaged in the development of this advanced technology, not for purposes of war, but it's sounding like you think it's possible that they were developing it for more uh, humane or... Yes, yes. 
And the British Empire more or less declared war on them in 1933. We will go into the economics of it all. They wanted to get off the gold standard. They wanted to create a barter system. And it worked. It worked for Germany. The whole world was, was suffering through the Depression, and Germany had become a paradise on Earth. When they showed the Olympics, these the Germans actually invented television to film it for the rest of the world, you know? They were so far ahead of us by 1933 that they had to do something. And Churchill and Fred Roosevelt were going around telling their personal confidants that they had to snuff the Germans out. They couldn't tolerate this. They ended up putting all kinds of embargoes on them and just made their lives miserable and forced them into a war. I have to follow the facts. Uh, and from what I've been reading, uh, this is where it's taken me. So, in any case, they just wanted a new world. They, they wanted to get away from this Judeo-Christian mentality and this, this mercantile uh, society with it, that's based on money and material things. They, they knew there were better things in the world. But, Jack, some people will say, how did the Germans, if they had advanced technology, how did they let an inferior force, if you will, win the war? How did they allow okay. the Allies that's to beat them? First of all, they weren't going to use the nuclear bomb. That was out of the question. They were using it uh, to trigger a reaction. It was uh, They were using implosion devices. Second of all, they were overwhelmed by sheer force of numbers. That's, that's why it was so important for, for Patton to veer off and take Thuringia. They were about to come out with some of these weapons. They had, they were unable to mount these weapons on these anti-gravity machines because the, 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 the science behind them precluded actually firing some because they were in a different dimension. And they couldn't, they couldn't transport something from one day, like a, deliver a weapon system from one dimension into the other. They hadn't figured that out yet. Uh, there was a lot of reasons, but most of all, they were overwhelmed by force of numbers. I, I mean, I read somewhere one of the German uh, books uh, or a newspaper said that the, the Allies told them that if they used anything like that, that they were going to put 15,000 planes uh, over from North Africa and uh, and gas bomb or, or, or use poison gas all over Germany, which, uh, you know, that would wipe them out. And they did not really lose that war. Like I said, they were incorporated into the American system. Hitler walked. Now, Jack, in your Black Sun Rising series, you're depicting Hitler very differently than mainstream history. Right. Very differently. I, I, I have to tell the truth. I'm not going to do what everybody else did and kowtow to this, uh, this Zionist press and publishing agencies that say that you have to do the obligatory Hitler madman insult and, and everything else. Uh, many Germans know that that's the furthest thing there is from the truth. The guy was a war hero, like I said. Women, children, animals swooned in his presence. He was a vegetarian. He was one of the first people involved with animal rights. There's nothing, nothing in that man's resume that says he was a madman. I mean, Churchill and Roosevelt were madmen. I mean, Roosevelt was a degenerate who sent the three aircraft carriers out of Pearl Harbor and let 3,000 Americans perish in a bombing he knew was coming uh, just to drag us into that one. Churchill, Churchill's been starting wars since he was old enough to talk. The guy was censored so many times by the British uh, Parliament, he practically destroyed their whole navy. He had them involved in so many foreign adventures. He was a drunk and he was a warmonger. So we should be the last ones talking about Hitler. That's part of what we call the English-speaking world. Hitler was minding his own business. He was pushed, like I said. And I'm not going to sit there and do the obligatory Hitler insult. He did say in uh, Minkoff, he called the Slavs white niggers. That's a quote-unquote. 
And he did want, uh, he had something called Liebensraum, which uh, he wanted to expand the borders of Prussia into the Ukraine, which was traditionally German territory anyway. That was taken away from them by the Catholic Church and uh, given to the Slavs. But he did say that in Menkov. But otherwise, he tried to avoid war so many different ways, and they just pushed him into the same thing with the Japanese. They got pushed into war. And the way we get told history is just lie upon lie. And it's a shame, because you and I lost relatives in those wars, too. So, Well, FDR and Churchill lionized. Two worse of the characters you could never find. These guys were both criminals. Uh, like I said, I mean, it's common knowledge that Roosevelt knew Pearl Harbor was going to He sent the three aircraft carriers out at the sea. He knew exactly when it was coming. But 3,000 American servicemen get killed. Now it's a well-known fact that he knew, yep, he allowed it to happen. His new deals never worked, Not one, of, and nothing he did worked. He was a failed politician, and he was a warmonger. He was nothing but a puppet for the British Empire. He, he should have wheeled himself underneath Churchill's leg at the dinner table, you know? I can't stand the guy. The more I read about him, the more I can't stand him. They actually planned on killing 10 million Germans after the war. They were going to starve them to death. They got the Morgenthau plan. Right. They had it all planned out, you know? Between him and Churchill and this other crazy, he was a German that came over here. I don't know if he was Jewish or not. Some people say he was, some people said he wasn't. They had actually planned to deliberately starve to death like 10 to 20 million Germans because they were afraid. They were afraid that the Germans were going to come at them again. They, they wanted to completely incapacitate that nation. Well, it's interesting so. because the way Hitler, when he got started, he was funded heavily by uh, American industry, right? Well, not originally you had some guy named Feta. They were going to go, like I said, they were going to get out of the stock markets and stuff. He caved eventually, because what I can tell is the Prussian aristocracy did not like Hitler, all right? And they did not like his ideas of national socialism. He came under heavy pressure from people like Bismarck and the rest of the royalty of Germany to knuckle under. They wanted him to lead the country, they didn't want to share the wealth like he did. They made him get rid of Feather, who was probably one of the greatest economic geniuses that ever lived, and replaced him with somebody who was more aligned with their stocks and the market and all that other stuff, and uh, to go under the gold standard. So he started out as a grassroots movement, but he got incorporated in, into the aristocracy, so to say. Well, like you said, he started with grassroots, but then he was heavily supported by Standard Oil and, yeah. and Ford and, and, and mm -hmm. GM, the American industry, I should say, to help him along right. with industrializing Germany. And then, I guess, things just went south. So when did he lose traction, and when did the West decide that they no think, longer were going to, to work with well, him? Well, I said, way back in 1933, 1934, they were talking about they had to stop them, that they had to crush the Germans. It was uh, uh, Churchill and, uh, and Roosevelt were going around saying that, right from the time he assumed power. We take it for granted. We try to say everybody in industry is evil, and everything is in black and white and stuff. There were people uh, in industry that want to see a better world. They had all kinds of Machiavellian politics going on, like I said. The Prussian aristocracy didn't like him, but when he got rid of Feta, they let him go. They gave him absolute power. As long as they didn't have to be uh, leaving their castles, they didn't care. There was other guys like uh, Ford, and there's other American tycoons that were, uh, they, they were very heavily into into uh, mysticism. 
Hitler was a mystic. I mean, above all else, he was a mystic. All of these guys were. Like I said, they believed in this green world before any science. Well, in the 20s, they started cracking into it. But uh, they, they were talking about it back in the 1910s, 1904, was when Crowley proclaimed the new aeon. It was the Germans who embraced him first. The English never really did. I mean, he was put in charge of the OTO and given complete authority over the aristocracy of Germany, which was an unprecedented situation for an Englishman to be in charge of the German aristocracy. The English never embraced him like that. I wouldn't even want to hazard a guess, since I haven't really researched that, on what the Machiavellian politics were behind that. What you're saying is um, that Hitler was on a completely different path than how mainstream history is depicting him. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. That he was pursuing a path that was going to benefit humanity. I mean, that's, is that what you're saying? Yes, I am. I am, and people are going to hate me for saying that, but I'm going to tell them, hey, look around. Do you, do you like what you see now? This was all the result of certain things Hitler didn't do that, uh, that he should have done. That, first of all, he should have used the atomic bomb. Second of all, when he had, had the English army trapped at Dunkirk, he should have wiped them out to the last man. These are all things that he, he actually let them go. He never wanted war. Those are inexplicable things, too. This is things a madman doesn't do. I, I just tell you, look around now. Do you like how the British empires have treated you? I mean, you have no social services. You have nothing. You work from the day you're born to the day you die. Many of us don't have enough to eat. We don't have adequate housing. We have people living in the streets. And, and, but we have uncontrolled birth rates, too, which is another thing that they dressed in, the, in the, that Chronicles of Akakwa. I don't want to veer off, but any religion that says that you should go out and have as many kids as you want. I think the Pope ought to be hung for teaching that. In a world where we have a finite amount of resources, this is what you're teaching poor people, to have 10, 15 children. I mean, the Catholic Church needs to be disbanded, and so does any other religion that teaches that. We need to control our breeding. We need to desperately control our breeding. Everybody worries that these, this, these people are Malthusian. Well, you know what? Nature is Malthusian. We keep taxing this planet the way we are, and nature's just going to get rid of us. You know, because you're not entitled to have 25 kids. You're not entitled to have 10 kids. You're not even entitled to have five kids anymore. You have two kids. That's it. We've got to stop zero growth rate. Well, you know, I'm listening, and I'm thinking to myself, your critics are going to say, all right, well, what about the... Uh, Hitler's programs in eugenics, uh, Joseph Mengele, the concentration camps at Dachau and Auschwitz. You know, how could this be a good person if, you know, he had this entire apparatus in place? Let's just take Joseph Mengele as an example. How do you explain that? They were, they were experimenting with human beings. A lot of that stuff they say that they were doing just deliberately, to, to, as sadistically to wipe people out. They were experimenting, and uh, Mengele, he's linked in the Nazi belt. Nick Cook links him to, uh, that bell was, uh, it throws out a field that was withering and, and killing everything in it. They had to stand a certain amount away from it. The lab where they were doing the experiments had to be completely sanitized after every experiment. Most of the people that did the sanitation work and the scientists were dying. A lot of these experiments were, undoubtedly, they were using human beings like rats. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for them, but this is a war. Now, now if you want to talk about the eugenics and all that, I happen to go along with what Nietzsche wrote in The Antichrist. I mean, uh, Christianity has taught us to worship weakness. 
it's almost like the, the, what's weak is encouraged to breed in this society. We have exactly the opposite of the way nature works. I, I, I mean, the strong are persecuted and hounded, and the weak are greeted with open arms. So if they were trying to, which they were, trying to straighten out their genetics, more power to them. I have nothing against that. I think if you can have healthy kids, uh, I think the government should help, which is what the Germans were doing. You had a certain allotment after, I think it was, uh, it worked on 25% for the first kid you had. And when you had four healthy kids, they would pay 100% of your bills. You had incentives for breeding. And if you, you were, had unhealthy children, then they wanted you neutered. You know what? Take a walk through Walmart and see if you really disagree so much with that policy anymore. Yeah, it's just that it um, cuts so across the grain with what people have been. It cuts across the grain of Christian morality, of pallid Christ, Judeo-Christian morality. Yes, it does. The main objective of Judeo-Christian morality is to control the people. And what better way to control the people than to make them weak? I mean, sheep and cattle are not bred to be uh, magnificent beasts in the field, are they? And that's basically what Judeo-Christianity does to its soul. Well, yeah, no, I'm not going to argue that institutionalized religion, I mean, its whole purpose is to control people. It's, uh, and to breed a weaker person. And to tell and, you that life gets good when you're dead. Yeah, everything will be fine. You mentioned the Nazi bell, and I'm sure there's going to be listeners that will not understand what that is. What was the Nazi Well, they better start understanding, Michael, because this is technology and this is the real world. They need to stop watching Dancing with the Stars. They need to turn their goddamn football games off. And they need to understand what exactly went on in World War II and where we went from there. Because when they look up in the sky and they see those V-shaped lights in the sky, that's not an hallucination. It's not swamp gas. It was what the people that are ruling you are doing. And all you are basically now is a slave to pay for them to do that. And this technology was never invented to be used that way, which is why why National Socialism had to be crushed. It was meant to be shared with everybody. It wasn't meant for a certain elitist group to utilize, which is what we have now. So National Socialism was going to use this for, for the benefit of mankind. All of mankind. That's why you say, like, well, why were they doing this, euthanizing? Because they didn't want to carry along dead weight, I guess. But everybody was going to be a part of it. It wasn't for just a certain elitist group. We can call it aristocracy. We can call it... You uh, call it a cabal, globalists. You can call it whatever you yeah. want. The Illuminati. Yeah. yeah. You're saying what they did was they commandeered that technology, and now they're using it for their own benefit. Hit it. Hit it for 50 years. Uh, anybody who tells you the government can't take a secret is very naive. And keep whatever secret they want to keep. And they did it pretty brilliantly with this campaign of, of ridiculing people who see UFOs. I mean, there was millions of witnesses to these things. <laughs> and scientists sit there, and these, these guys who want to call themselves scientists and actually go along with this without ever having researched it. Well, certain people did research it, and what happened is it really happened at all really happens. We, as people, need to seize control of our own destiny. I don't want W controlling my destiny. I don't have no confidence in that guy. I know these people like the Bilderbergs. and the, I see genetic defects. They're the ones you want to talk about euthanizing people? Well, you could euthanize all the Rockefellers. You could start with them. They're nobody to be telling anybody what to do. You know, these are not the people you want leading. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say, the biggest defect that they have is they just completely lack empathy. You know, they're all um, psychopathic by nature. They lack empathy because they've never had to struggle for a thing in their life. How can they have empathy? They've never done anything. They're all draft dodgers. None of them have ever seen combat. And yet they want to start wars all over the world. In the old days, at least when you had an aristocracy, they went at the front of the army. You know, you'd see a lot less wars if they had to go charging in first. Or if they had to put their kids on the line. Yeah, or if they show, well, I'm saying, their children, you know, the prince was the guy who led the battle, you know? Right. Now, they're hiding on controlling the price of commodities and figuring out how they're going to make more money off of this war. This is why you see such a cavalier attitude about starting wars here, starting wars there. Yeah, well, show me some of the people that are on the front lines who are starting and profiting off of these wars. There's none of them. None of them. And you say they have no empathy. They have no empathy because they never had to struggle in their lives. That's what menkauf means, by the way, my struggle. Right. That's what it means in German. If you struggle, then you have empathy for others who struggle. If you have everything handed to you on a silver platter, then you're going to be a cold reptilian bastard. That's just the way it is. It's human nature. Now, talking about the struggle, Jack, what's going on in this country? In the military, in the government, in the institutions, we talked before about there's a struggle, there's a battle going on. The good guys versus the bad guys, to make it overly simplistic. That's really, it is being overly simplistic, too. Cause, uh, well, I don't see anything good about Zionism. I, like you can tell, I see a lot of good about National Socialism, but I certainly don't see any good in the Bushes, you know, if they're the leaders. So... Well, that's where I have the question marks, right, is if um, the Bushes are supposed to be, you know, the current day National Socialists, well, the whole picture looks very bleak. (laughs) It is bleak. (laughs) It is bleak. But there's other people involved in this that that aren't going along with the script, so... Yeah, that's that was going to be my question. So some people aren't going along with the script, but I don't know. I don't even know if you can answer this question. I'll just throw this out there as more as a rhetorical question. But is it too far gone? No, I don't think it'll ever be too far gone. Yogi Berra said it ain't over till it's over. Like I tell you, you guys are all making a lot of headway. I mean, we couldn't have talked about this 20 years ago. Come on, everybody just laugh at it and scoff at it, you know? Or we get relegated to the worst of the worst, the New Age movement, you know? Uh, (laughs) Well, we put a couple of videos up of uh, Mark Passio who talks about the New Age movement and uh, says how the New Age movement is just total bullshit. And it keeps people, essentially, it makes them compliant. That's a Shirley MacLaine mentality. It started out with a lot of great thinkers. It ended up with Shirley MacLaine. I mean, my biggest peeve, if I got to name a peeve, is, 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 is people controlling the media. When you control the media, we have a collective lobotomy. We have six corporations controlling the media. Right. So you're going to tell me that some genetic defect is going to dictate the information that's going to be disseminated over the whole human race? That, that can't be. You can't have that. If any, the media has got to be the freest, the most open thing we have. We cannot know what, what's going on around us if we got six genetic defects telling us, and that's all the information we're going to get. Well, the larger defect is the people that are actually listening to the media and not being able to discern that they're being propagandized and indoctrinated. 
Well, that's part of inculcation. I mean, that's the way inculcation works. If you get told something over and over again, that, that I mean, it's, it's human nature that, that sooner or later you accept it. You know, Jack, the overall message that you're trying to communicate in the Black Sun Rising series, what is that? What are you trying to get across to, the, um, to your readers? Like I said, this is the future of the human race. You, you better turn off the TV set. You better turn off CNN. You better turn off Fox. You better pick up a few books. And I leave them at the bottom in, in, in my, my sources, the ones you really should read. One is Nick Cook's Hunt for Zero Point. The other is Kendrick's book. These books are on the Internet. Turn on the Internet and read the book. You know, and see what the facts are. This is your fate. I mean, these people are playing around with technologies that can make men into gods. People need to seize control of their own destiny. And the way they're going to do that is first find out what's really going on. Yeah, you introduce yourself to reality. Yeah, the hurdle is going to be with your series, as we mentioned before, is for people to get over the paradigm that Hitler was a madman. Yes, it's a very difficult title to get over. I mean, it was inculcated to me. Like I said, we lost family in that war against them. And we were told since the day we were born that this is a crazy guy that wanted to control the whole world. And the German people were mad. And then they just suddenly went from being the smartest and most educated people in the world to wanting to, to enslave the human race. Uh, yeah, we've been fed all that stuff. But... Take a look at the facts for yourself. I mean, 90% of us have been taught to read. That's a great thing. We have a high literacy rate. Go out and don't read what they tell you to read. Go out and find old books. A lot of old books will tell you more if you look between the lines than the new stuff. Because like, if you see stuff like Wikipedia, I, I told some of my commenters, uh, I say, right, they change it. And I know they do, you know. They do. Uh, yeah, no, I've seen it before. They go back over links. If I use information I got from them, I'll go back and look, and it's gone. You know, they rewrite it. So that's what you're looking at when you're dealing with new stuff. It's strictly censored. So get yourself some old books and see what, who's saying what. And then, and then look at the technology. Look at what's, what's surfaced. That was another thing I wrote in Black Sun Rising. And when the Soviet Union fell... Uh, they relaxed their grip a bit on this stuff, and a lot of it got released to the public that you would have never seen if the, if the cold water had stood. So there's a lot of stuff available that came out of Freedom of Information Acts uh, and taped uh, telephone calls and who said what to who. Uh, so it's available. It's available. And see what the technology really is. Uh, you would see that, that Einstein's theory of relativity, that was made invalid in 1964 by, by, by Bell's theorem and the non-locality of matter. The Germans never accepted it. They didn't accept it from day one. Einstein was a plagiarizer. It was looked at as a joke by the German scientists. We're told that, the, oh, well, the Jewish scientists leaving Germany, that, that put Germany at a disadvantage. No, it didn't. It put them at a distinct advantage because the Jewish scientists all accepted Einstein. And they, they got expelled from Germany. They didn't leave of their own accord. They were left out of the loop. The only one that was invited into the loop was Niels Bohr by Heisenberg, but he didn't accept.
It's not about relativity. It's about quantum physics. That's where the human race is going. Yeah, that's just, that's just another you know piece of information and history that is going to be very difficult for people to come to grips with, right? Because Einstein is put out there as you know, right as the great genius. The genius. Well, this guy plagiarized almost everything he said. Uh, I, I told you he was looked at as a joke. He never even worked on the Manhattan Project. You know, after they incinerated all those women and children, and uh, by the way, a, a military target that was not a military target for no other reason than to just do it. He came out and took bows for it, like it was. He did this. You know, he he was the champion of the Manhattan Project. Never did a bit of work on it. You're talking about the when they dropped the bombs. Yes, right. in okay. Hiroshima. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, which was just out of pure spite. I don't I don't know why they did that. I, I know Japan was close to making their own. From what I've read, I don't know if the Germans that would have ever gave anybody a complete control of that technology. So, do you think because, Einstein was being used as a, a front man or a puppet? Yes. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's what I called them, the designated genius, you know, for the Zionist empire. You know, he's, he's the face, you know. He's a good actor. You know, he had the screwy buffoon half hairdo. And he had some good quotes, like he, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he was a smart man. I'm not saying he was stupid. You know, he was a good philosopher. He was no scientific genius. I mean, they used to give him thought experiments, the Copenhagen School. And even Bors, who was Jewish, laughed at him, too, by the way. He was headed to Copenhagen School, Mills Bors. But uh, they'd give him thought experiments, and he never could solve them, and they'd make it public. And then they'd laugh at him in private and call him a buffoon, Heisenberg and Bors. He never could actually get the first precept of quantum physics, which is, if the cat in the box thing is... If there's nobody to see the moon, if there's no observer, then that moon doesn't exist. We make reality. It's, it's human perception that makes reality. There's no time, distance, and it's all an invention of our own minds. That goes back to the slit experiment, right? Right, the slit experiment, uh, quantum entanglement. Uh, you can read about these things. They're not that hard to understand. I mean, in the slit experiment, particles, when they run them through a slit, They'll come out on the wall. They will uh, react based upon observation. Right, um, the, the observation. First, they'll show up as particles, okay? There'll be a, a, a random pattern on the wall that will show a particle displacement of these neutrinos. Then they'll show up as a wave when they run them through two slits. Okay, now, is it a wave or is it a particle? Now we take a, an instrument that's small enough or, or delicate enough to actually observe these particles. Now they go back to particles. Right. Okay, now we don't have a wave effect no more. They, the same thing happens with quantum entanglement. What they'll do is, like, electrons can be emitted from an atom, okay? Each electron will have a, a spin, like if one is positive, the other will be negative. Now, they separate them, okay? Now, this spin continues. They've done it up to 100 miles away from each other. If they insert uh, an instrument that's delicate enough to see why they are continuing their spin as if they were attached to each other, breaks down. They call it the wave collapses. And they go back to random spins. Well, you cover so, a lot of this in your um, part four. Of I think it was in part three I went into that. Part three, okay, because you yeah, did a lot yeah. of research into um, other technologies like nuclear. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, this the part four I had to do a crash course in nuclear technology. Yeah, I was, it was never, it was really. I was uh, never really that interested in nuclear technology. I found it pretty fascinating when I, when I got into it, but because these guys weren't just looking to create an explosion. What they were trying to do was a to trigger a reaction. I'll get into that later on because I really don't understand at all what they were trying to do. But like I said, uh, they were trying to uh, they were trying all the time. Their research wasn't geared towards making an explosion, really. So. Now, what's been the response, Jack, to your articles? I mean, like I keep going back to this because it really is a, a paradigm shift, a massive paradigm shift for people to read a series which is essentially saying, look, what you've been taught about Hitler, what you've been taught about Nazi Germany, what you've been taught about National Socialism, is completely bogus. It's not... The truth. I mean, essentially, that's what it's saying. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what has been the response? Have you been getting a lot of flack, uh, a lot of support? I've, like I said, I've, uh, I'm surprised that I get as little flack as I do. Almost all of it has, has been uh, positive. I've got the Trishans that tell me I'm going to burn in hell forever, a few of them. I've had a couple of uh, Jewish people defriend me, and, and, and they don't want to talk to me no more. But uh, it's been uh, surprisingly positive. It's been interesting. I think a lot of people, Michael, know something's going on. That they, you know, it's like that song by Bob Dylan, uh, Mr. Jones. Something's going on here, and they understand that, you know. Well, it goes back to what you said before, which was, you know, really right on the money. Do you like what you see? What's going on right now? That's what I got to tell them. I mean, do, do you look around you? Is this what you want? Is this what you want for your children? I mean, I mean probably the human, human beings have the worst life they've ever led on this planet. Except for maybe in the feudal system when, the, when the, the Catholic Church was burning people alive for practicing home remedies. I mean, uh, but we're almost back to that already, you know? Well, we are back to that, except, you know, they don't have to burn people anymore. You don't have to no, now they're just denying medical treatment, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, now it's all done through technology, yeah. <laughs> right? But I agree. I mean, I look at what's going on today, and... It's just a total mess. And, you know, when I try to explain it to some people, they look at me and they tell me, you know, that uh, I worry too much, that I'm a conspiracy theorist, you know, I'm a tinfoil hat wearer, because I'm pointing out, hey, things are completely upside down. We are living in a completely dysfunctional world. And, you know, some people, they, they think it's perfectly normal. They accept it. Well, they're getting to be a smaller and smaller minority. Uh, you know why? Because, uh, you know, I said this 20 years ago when I started really going into researching this and stuff. Uh, is everybody was eating fine. The backyard barbecues were going. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the economy collapsed in 2008. And uh, what we have now is a larger and larger disenfranchised group of people. And... Uh, Everything is no longer fine for them. Again, we can go back to Bob Dylan again. How does it feel to be like a rolling stone, you know? Yeah. Nobody's ever taught you to get uh, live out on the street now. You better get used to it, you know? And they're looking around and saying, why am I out on the street? I mean, the jobs have been exported to India and China. Uh, the manufacturing's long since left this country. Uh, and uh, it's 
really no way to make a living or for your children to make a living anymore. It's really sad, right? I mean, I look back to when you and I were younger, and uh, I took a look at everything. Was remember everything was bright and future was rosy, and you had right. all those moonshot pictures up all over your house, and I think you were going to be an astronaut or a famous baseball player. <laughs> yeah, that didn't pan you were out. Break home. You didn't know, know whether you wanted to walk on the moon or, or break Babe Ruth's home run record, I remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you don't have that anymore. It's really very dismal. I mean, you take a look at the youth today and... Um, and what are you going to tell your kid? I, I mean, yeah, you can grow up and, and be a, a loan officer collector for a bank. And I mean, you can work at Applebee's. You can be a supervisor yeah. at Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it is you, know, you can call all women up at 8 o'clock in the morning and tell them they owe you $20 on a credit card. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Great career choices we got for you, you know? Uh, I just look at the youth, though. You know, I, I see them, and they're detached and dissociated. You know, they're, um, they're, they're zombied out, playing their video games eight hours a day. They're looking at their What do they feet. have to look forward to? I, it, I mean, yeah. They've been told they're animals. They've been told they're machines. They've never been told the truth. They could be gods, you know? They've never been told that. Yeah. And that's what this, this technology bears out. It bears out the same thing that's been taught in mysticism for thousands and thousands of years. But it's, we, we hold the key to our own prison. I find mysticism absolutely uh, fascinating. Yeah, I do a lot of well, research. That's, what happened is the science bore it all out. You know? Yeah. What we know from what we read, you know, we didn't, we're not apes. And, uh, you know, civilization didn't arise 5,000 years ago in the Sumba Valley. It was there. So civilizations have been far, maybe more advanced than this. I mean, we there was pyramids on Mars. There's faces. There's sphinxes. There's, they, they probably traveled to other planets. They, they used different technology. They didn't use this combustion technology we have now. They didn't have a speed limit on how fast you could go. They didn't have all these obstacles, these self, they call themselves scientists, I call them priests for false religion, that they've placed in front of people. Yeah. So, and mysticism ignored them. They ignored them for years. I mean, the only obstacle they had in mysticism was the Catholic Church, who was burning them alive. They didn't like what they said. Well, you look at uh, somebody even like uh, Manly P. Hall, they vilify Manly P. Hall, and uh, I've read a lot of Manly P. Hall's work, and <laughs> I can't find any issue with <laughs> with what Manly oh. P. Hall is teaching and what he talked about as a mystic, but you see what goes on in society. They say that he was, uh, he was an evil man. Oh, so they do the same thing with Aleister Crowley, and then you ask them, well, where? What did he do? When did he, when did he sodomize these young boys? When did he... When was he a black magician? He he wrote in England, he wrote a series of articles condemning black magic. This is just that they vilify these people. Oh, oh Grindelgef, another brilliant, brilliant man. If you read Wikipedia, he's a quack, you know? No, the Nazis accepted these men as prophets. i got to break myself of that, because it's, it's National Socialists. Accepted these men as prophets. And these men were not German, by the way. Like I said, Crowley was an Englishman. Rimejev was a Slav. But they, they accepted, I think Guido List was the only German out of them all. They accepted these men as prophets, and they embraced their teachings. And they scientifically proved them. Yeah. So they blended. They blended this mysticism with their science. And that's, that's why they leapt light years ahead. Everything you see before you is a product of the lasers, the transistors, is a product 
of World War II technology and patents taken from Germany, from the National Socialists. You know? I do hope that, um, as you said before, that we are reaching people and that the tide is turning. I really do. I, I want to be very optimistic about the future of humanity, and I hope we get there. Well, all I can say is we just got to keep keep it up, you know? Right. The, that's what I, I, I said on my blog, too. You know, I get all these, these emails from these people. Uh, who's this? Who's account somewhere? And uh, who's this? Uh, you know, why don't you start talking to each other, you know? I, I, I keep confidentiality. Somebody wants to send me an email. Uh, I would never say who's who and who said what to me, but, you know, maybe you should come out of the closet and start talking openly, you know? Start, you need to start talking to each other. Right. Well, that's what I see, too. A lot of times people will talk through me. They want me to be their mouthpiece. They want me. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. You should say this. You should say, no, no. I'm just, uh, me, I'm just, what I'm doing is I'm scouring, uh, scouring links. I got a team of people that speak German that work with me. And uh, I'm trying to just give people facts. That's why I said I'm not going to venture any opinions on anything. Right. You know, the closest you're ever going to come from opinions on me is the interviews you do with me. Like, I had opinions tonight, you know. But, uh, that's that's how conversations go. You, you generally get more animated in a conversation. But uh, this is the closest I'm ever going to come to an opinion. Not in my writings, I try to stay far, far away from opinions. I just try to try to give you facts. You know, I'm not going to use links from a Mary Poppins book to prove my point. And uh, I'm just going to give you what you know historical facts that can't be refuted. And you make up your own mind. You know? Well, I mean, you're doing great work. All of your your articles are just very uh, mind provoking. Um, they Thank make you. people think they you know to get out of the paradigms. And uh, as soon as somebody starts reading, you know whether it be Black Sun Rising or any of your other articles, uh, you, you know the reader takes a step back and says, "Let me just try to digest what's being said here," because it, it does. It cuts across what people have been taught since the day they were born. And it does. It, it takes a certain amount of getting used to or adjusting to to be able to open up and say, okay, let me just understand this perspective. But it's it's very, very good work. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's, that's the best I can do for now, you know. That's, yeah. Uh... All right, Jack. Well, this I think we reached the end of our interview. Okay. Huh? I'm going to go eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go eat dinner, and I'll, I'll have you back on the show. Thank you, Michael. And that concludes our discussion with Mr. Jack Hart. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And as always, I would like to thank everyone for listening and thank you for your support in visiting the blog, sageofquay.com. And please check out my album, Leaving Dystopia, at laboroflovemusic.com. And remember, live in truth and always serve creation. It's really that simple. See everyone next week. Be safe, enjoy, and God bless.